Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, hey, today we are in part three, Modern Family, and we're talking about the number one cause of divorce, number one cause of anxiety, the number one cause of depression. Anybody know what that is? Money. Modern family money. Okay, now I don't know if, if you guys were like I me. Mean, how many of you were raised in a family that taught you how to deal with money really well? Like you, you came up, you had a dad that was a CPA, or like they taught you. you know. How many of you did not have that? How many of you grew up and like you, you had to make some mistakes to figure that out? And you had to, part of what I love about being a pastor, and maybe, maybe if you've never been here, those of you who are here a lot know this, but those of you who aren't, a lot of times people will say, like, man, I heard you speak at a conference, and you're a preacher, but when I come to your church, you just like, you don't preach. Why don't you preach? Because I believe part of what God calls us as pastors to do is equip you, help you do things that, that maybe, I don't want to just fire you up now, I want you to go home this week and be able to use something practical that I give you. And so I love this message, because this message, I wish I would have heard it at 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. This message, if you will heed it, will change the way that you deal with money. It will change the way that you view it, and it will change what God is able to do through you. I believe that he's going to speak to us today. I love this, because as a, as a pastor, I know this is going to help you. It helped me me deeply preparing this message. Hey, let's pray. We'll jump into it. Dear God, thank you so much for what you're going to do. Pray that you bless this message. Speak to us, God. Let us get closer to you and closer to people today. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Our theme verse for this whole series that we're doing, Modern Family, is Joshua 2415. But if you don't want to worship the Lord, then choose right now. Will you worship the same idols your ancestors did or since you're living on the land that once belonged to the Amorites? Maybe you'll worship their gods. I won't. My family and I are going to worship and obey the Lord. And this whole series is about how do we do life God's way in a modern world? How do we do, how do, we do our relationships? Last week we talked about relationships. How do we do relationships God's way in a modern world? How do we find peace week one? And if you haven't listened to those, I encourage you to check it out on the podcast or on the website. I believe that they'll help you. If you're family or if you're walking through relationship struggles, I believe God has some unique things to speak to you. But how do we walk through this and how do we do this God's way? As we're going through and looking at all of the causes of marital strife and, and family strife and divorces and chaos and anxiety, the number one thing for all of those things across the board is money. Why is it money? Why, you, it's, it seems like the more money you had, the happier it would be, correct? But obviously we all know probably enough people that are wealthy that would tell you that that's not true. So I begin to look at, God, what is the difference between doing money and doing financial things the world's way and doing it your way? 1 Timothy 6, 9 People who want to get rich, now let me say this, I like to rephrase this. People who have a wrong perspective on money fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Think about that. Like you think it would say like if you do drugs, you go to ruin and destruction. Like if you cheat on your wife, you go into ruin and destruction. If you kill someone, you go into ruin and destruction. God tells us, listen, if you have a wrong perspective on the wealth that I want to bless you with, it will plunge you into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, money's great. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Think about that. Oftentimes, we don't want to think about money in a biblical perspective. God talked, Jesus talked about money more than anything else in the Bible. But you look at it and you go, this thing, money, pierces people. It leads them to destruction. I would have never thought about this before we started this. So the numbers on it, I want to talk to you about the world's way of looking at money. Luke 12, 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we're going to unwrap some of this as we move along. 
Numbers only. The world's got a system of how we deal with money. Here's the world's system of how we deal with money. And not all of this is bad. I'm just presenting to you both sides. Number one, earning. The first blank on your notes. Numbers only, earning. The world earning. You got to start earning money to have money. I love the little uh, meme I saw when it said, like, go fund me when I was a kid. And it's a kid pushing the lawnmower. Did you guys see that? Like, listen, we, when, I don't know about you. When I was a kid, I started, I had a lawn service when I was, like, 12. It was called, um, it was called Leaf It to Me. Leaf it to me. I thought it was pretty catchy. 12 years old, went and put leaf flyers in all these mailboxes. Leaf it to me. I'll weed eat. I'll, and it was all in my neighborhood. And so I'd just be pushing my lawnmower all the way to the other side of the neighborhood, cutting grass, you know. And then going door to door, hey, will you pay me $20 to cut your yard? They're like, nah, I'm like, $10? They're like, all right, we'll give you $10. I mean, I was a kid. I just wanted money. And then I'd go out and they'd be like, a five-acre plot. I'm like, $10? Um, but you got to start earning money to have money. I don't know, I, I think it is probably the greatest thing I did was my parents instill a work ethic in me from a young age. That now, you know, I've got friends that are 20 and are playing Xbox all day, and I'm like, what are you doing? Go get a job. They're like, I'm, a, I'm an online gamer. I'm like, that's not a job. They don't pay you for that. Like, I, but earning, you got to start earning to have money. Then number two, spending. Spending. The, mo- the average American spends, think of this, the average American spends 136% of what we make. Think of how crazy that is, 136% of what we make. How many of you at some point in life have got to a position where you realize, I am spending more money than I currently have at the moment? I wish I would have realized that. I'll never forget being in basic training and my drill instructor sitting down in front of us, a group like this, and him going, listen to me, look at me. You are going to make a lot of money, and you don't have to pay for anything, okay? Just save all of your money. You can be rich when you leave the Air Force if you'll save all of your money. And all of us left are going, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. Until we started getting money in our bank accounts and didn't have anything to spend it on. Like we did, our housing was provided for, our food was covered all the time. Yeah, I, I, I needed gas, that was it. And all of a sudden I realized I've got all this money. And how many of you, when you have all this money, it just starts to burn a hole in your hand. You know, you're just like, an iPhone? It's only $800. I mean, yeah, what is that? I've got all this money. And then, oh my gosh, a new car that's only $400 a month. That's nothing. And then all of a sudden you turn around and now you don't have any money and you owe money. And I wish I would have learned that then. Number three, saving. Savings. This is when you, after you earn and after you've managed your spending and you've put a budget on your spending and now you learn how to do that, then you can go on to saving. They say you should have three months of savings, and I believe in savings. I think, you know, the, the way that, for those of you who have never done it, that I would encourage you to take $1,000, put it away in savings, and then add to it as you go until you get up to three months' savings, and then they say that's a good cushion for a rainy day because, as you know, rainy days do come. And I believe not only is it biblical, but it's a smart financial principle that all of us need to practice. I have a little app on my phone even that, um, that when I spend anything on my debit card, it takes all the change and puts it into my savings. And, like, that doesn't seem like a lot until you do it a couple times. And I went in after the first month I was using it. I'm like, oh, my God, $200 in spare change. That's crazy. Like I did. And I begin to put more and more away. Savings, we've got to have savings. Number three, number four, investing. Now, this is fun. The world says after you've earned money and after you learn how to spend your money and after you've got a savings, then you can start investing money. And this is kind of like the fun part of it. I don't know if any of you who are investors know, but, but it's awesome. And you're investing into something, not that you control. You don't invest in AT&T and then go work at AT&T. Some of you invest in stocks maybe that you work at. But most of us invest into something that someone else manages and someone else runs. And if you invest in Amazon, you know, Amazon, if they do good, you do good. If they do bad, you do bad. And we get to investing. And then number five, this is the last priority in the world's system of, of making money. Numbers only is giving. And most people, they say, give 3% throughout the year, 3% of what they make. And 
I think it's funny because even in the world system of managing money, people will tell you, you know, we should give. Everyone kind of has this innate thing inside of them. We should give. We should help people. We should, you know, we should do something. And so 3% is about what they give. But I believe that as we go through this, that all of this, and none of this is wrong. It's great to learn how to do this. It's great to manage your money. It's great to invest. It's great to save. But I believe that we don't live in just the natural world. We live in a supernatural world. And I believe if we can see God's perspective on our wealth and God's perspective on what he brings us and God's perspective on what he wants to do, it will broaden our eyes to see there is a far bigger picture. I heard a man say this week, we are not humans having a spiritual experience. I think oftentimes people go, we are a human being and we're having a spiritual experience. We are spirits that are having a human experience. We are, ever, we, are, we are eternal beings trapped inside of this body that one day your body will die and your spirit will go somewhere. You are a human, have, or you are a, are a spirit having a human experience. So let's see what God says about how in this human experience to manage what he's given us. Haggai 1, 5, and 7. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. Everybody said amen. Come on. You drink, but never have your feel. You put on clothes, but are not warm. This, hey, this could be a lot of our life sayings. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Like, you ever feel that way? God, just where, where is this money going? This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. How do we do that? How do we give careful thought to our ways? We give careful thought to our ways by getting God's perspective on this issue, by getting God's perspective. And what is God's perspective? 1 Corinthians 1.20, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Has not God made foolish? So what he's saying is, listen, I have wisdom that to the world may look foolish, but it's supernatural wisdom. It's far, the perspective I can give you is greater than any perspective the world can show you or give you. This is a lesson that, again, I wish I would have got it. 20. If I'd have got this at 20, it would have done a ton for me. And I, had, I remember my dad sitting down with me at about 25 and going, I need to apologize to you. Because of how I was raised, no one ever showed me how to deal with money. I knew I was supposed to, you know, take care of my family. And I knew I was supposed to tithe. I knew I was supposed to do some of these things, but I didn't know how to manage my money. And so I, I raised y'all and I didn't teach y'all how to manage your money. And now that I'm grown, I know how to do that. And I need to take you back and walk you through that. And I, I love the, the, the process of life because now I'm a dad and I get to teach Eli at a young age and go, okay, you know, you get your money and here's your money. You got $10, you tithe one of those dollars. Okay, and now you put the rest in the savings thing. And Eli, is, um, he takes after his mother. He just wants to spend everything that he gets, okay? And um, she, she's nodding her head. She's like, that is you. Um, Eli will get, every time he gets a good report at school, I give him a dollar. Okay, you go put it in your savings. And so he'll go put it in his savings and then... He keeps coming home from, from school with all these little, like, chinkarees. Y'all know what chinkarees are? Like, that's a, that's a Cajun word. It's like, um, it's like, little, like, like uh, little toys, like, I don't know, like little treats or something. Like. And um, he comes home every day, every day. He's like, look at this eraser I got. It's shaped like a rock. I'm like, why would you get that? How'd you get that? I'm like, they give it to you. He's like, nope, I bought it for a dollar. I'm like, you bought it for a dollar? Why did you buy it for a dollar? Like, stop buying stuff. They have, like, a little shop in his school. Comes home the next day. He's like, guess what I got? I'm like, what? He's like, this pencil. I'm like. They gave that to you? Nope, I bought it for a dollar. I'm like, why are you buying stuff for a dollar? I'll buy you 10 pencils for less than a dollar, okay? Don't buy pencils at school. But I believe that if we can get God's perspective on this, not only will it benefit us, but it will benefit our children. So let's see, what is beyond the numbers? What is more than maybe what we see on our financial statement or more than what we make or more than what it looks like we spend or bring in? Or I believe that God has a message for us beyond the numbers. Number one, calling 
versus compensation. Calling versus compensation. Let's not look at just earning. Let's look at our calling versus our compensation. Acts 20, 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. What if we were able to look at our life as more than just what we do for compensation, but what we do as a calling? People always ask me, you know, why do you preach? I preach because this is what God called me to do. Some of you, have you ever asked yourself, and most people do, the number one asked question amongst people is, what am I here for? What is my purpose? And a lot of us find ourselves doing compensation things that are not our purpose. What did God create you for? It's the whole reason we do the growth track, and it's to help people figure out, what am I here for? What is my purpose? What did God create me for? Where did he design me to fit and operate best? God has a calling and a purpose for each and every one of us. A lot of us, sadly, it's not what we do for compensation. I would rather pay to preach than be paid to preach. I would do this for free for the rest of my life because this is what God created me to do. What thing when you do it, you just go, I could do this forever and, and you wouldn't ever have to pay me. And every man said, like, watch ESPN in my draws all day. Like, I could do that for free. If they, <laughs> I'll do that for free every day. But what is it that God created you for? That at the deepest part of you, you go, this is what I'm called. It's not what I do for compensation, but it's what I am called to do. I believe if we can begin to look at how we earn money as not just a compensatory thing, but a calling thing, it will change the way that we view what God is doing. Number two, this is huge. This is huge, huge, huge. Number two, contentment versus consumerism. So the world says, hey, this is how you manage your money. You spend the Bible says we want to learn contentment versus consumerism. Luke 12, 15, don't always be wishing for what you don't have. For real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. You go, Christian, well, that's because we live in America. I mean, we all have money. If you ever go on a missions trip, go see how content those people are. It blows my mind. I was in Bolivia last year. And there's this guy, and he's out there, and he's making bricks. We're in this village doing some, like, mission work. And he's making these bricks and doing... And so we're talking to him, you know, he said, like, what do you, this is your job, this is my job. How much do you make doing this job? I make a dollar a day for 12 hours of work making bricks all day. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, that's, that's not a lot, that's not a lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of work for not a lot of money. But he was one of the most content people I've ever met in my whole life. He goes, my family's over here, and they lived in this little shack. And you know why people who have little are so content? It's because they don't have to worry about anything. They don't have to worry about insuring anything, somebody stealing something, somebody taking something. They're very content with what they have. Because contentment is not based on what we have. It's based on who we are. Philippians 4.12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Learning to be content is not being satisfied once you get what you want. It's learning to be satisfied with what God has given you. It's learning to look around and go, God, if you never gave me anything else, I'm content with what I have. We can't do that until we once learn who we are in Christ, until we learn that we can be okay with exactly where God has us. And Paul, that's what he tells us. He goes, listen, I've learned that whether I have a lot of stuff, that's awesome. Or whether I have not much stuff, that's awesome. Because my contentment does not come from where my savings account or checking account is. My contentment comes from you, Jesus. Now, how many of you win, and, and we all know this feeling, payday hits. You get paid, there's money in the account, and all of a sudden, there's like a sense of peace on you. Have you ever felt that? 
You look in there, and there's, there's money in there. You get that big tax return back, you know, like, man, $8,000. And you're just like, I'm invincible. I'm invincible. I'm going to go to the thrift store and buy the whole store. I'm going to Goodwill. Give me everything over there. Like, just, I'm going to Forever 21. You ever been to Forever 21? You buy everything in Forever 21 for $1,000. Like, you just go, $1,000, give me everything in the store, bow feathers, you know, anything you want. Um, but you get this sense of peace and contentment. And I remember one time I got a check like that in. I was probably, I don't know, maybe 28. I get a check like that in. And, go, and this sense of peace coming over me. And God spoke to me very clearly. And he said, why is it that it's money that brings you peace and not me? And I thought, how quickly am I to find that security in my financial, be- in, in what I have financially, my assets, what I've got, what I don't have. Instead of going, God, no matter what, give us this day our daily bread. God, every day I'm going to depend on you for what I need. Every day I'm going to find my contentment in you. To begin to view ourselves as content in God versus consumerism. Number three, being God-dependent versus independent. Being God-dependent versus independent. Number three in the world's way is saving. We save. Proverbs 18, 11 tells us the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. Now listen, you should have savings. Everybody should have a savings. But oftentimes, our savings can become a replacement for the security that God wants to give us. And what he says is, a wealthy man goes, listen, I'm going to build, I have all this stuff, so no matter what happens, I'll be okay. I've built myself into this fortress, and I'm going to be okay. And God goes, that's not where any of it comes from. You've got to be God-dependent and not independent. It's great to have savings. Yes, you need savings. But we need to remember every single day that our security comes not from money or not from what we have, but from the Lord God who called you, who created you, and who made you with a purpose and a plan. God-dependent versus independent. Proverbs 38 through 9. I love this. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and still and so dishonor the name of my God. That, that phrase right there, but give me only my daily bread. We hear that in the Lord's Prayer. Give this day our daily bread. What, why is it that he asked for only his daily bread? It seems like if he's smart and he asks God, he'd go, God, give me the bread I need for my whole life and then some more. That'd be great. Thank you, Jesus. But that's not why. Because every day we are called as believers to get before God and go, God, give me what I need for today. Give me what I need for today, God. I want to trust you every single day. I don't want to wake up one day and not need to get before you and go, God, I need you. I am desperate for you, God. If you don't show up today, we need to be dependent on God and not dependent on us. Number four, stewardship versus ownership. Stewardship versus ownership. It's when we talked about investing. Technically, all of us are stewards. We, we, we entrust someone to steward over our money. If you invest, you give your money to a company like we talked about, and they steward it. If they do good, great. If they do bad, bad. Stewardship versus ownership. I encourage you to think of your life as you are stewarding everything that God has for you, and one day you will turn, return it back to him. How different would your perspective be if all you viewed yourself is, is as a steward of what God wants to give you? That every single thing you have, you can look at God and go, God, this is yours, and one day I'll give it back to you. Or oftentimes, do you, like myself, find yourself going, okay, God, this is yours, and this is mine, and like, okay, God, this is yours, but I have this, and I did this, God. And and instead realizing that, God, all of us, we're we're all for you. Everything we have is is because you gave it to us. Everything we have is because you gave it to us, and one day we'll return it back to you. 
God doesn't call us to be great owners. He calls us to be great stewards. Great stewards of relationships. Great stewards of the peace that he wants to give us. Great stewards of our finances. Great stewards of our friendships. Great stewards of our children. Great stewards of our job. Great stewards of... Can you imagine if you stewarded every single thing that you have for the glory of God? That if when you built a house, you said, I'm going to build this house and I'm going to have, man, I'm a, we're going to have a small group here and people are going to come over and God is going to be glorified in this house because he's given it to me, but I'm a steward for him. And God, when I eat lunch, I'm going to always eat with somebody who's lost because I just want to steward my money. Maybe I pay for their lunch and maybe you speak to them, God, because I want to steward what you've given me well so that I can return it back to you one day. So that everything I do will be for the glory of God. We are called to be stewards versus owners. Matthew 13, 44, I love this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. What he's saying is when you discover what life is really about, when you realize why we're here, what the purpose is, what this whole thing is about, then all of what you have will go into making that thing count. All of what you have will go into uncovering. Okay, I know that what this thing's about now, God. I know what you put me on this earth to do. Now I want to leverage all that I am, all of my resources, all of my assets, all that I am, God, for what you have created me for. And ultimately what he has created all of us for is to bring glory back to him. Number five, generosity versus misery. Generosity versus misery. Acts 20, 35, the Lord himself said, it is mere blessed it is more blessed to give than to receive. How many of you like receiving gifts? You know, I like receiving gifts. How many of you? None of you. Okay, good. I was going to send everybody a gift this week, but since you guys I don't like receiving. Uh, we all like receiving a gift. But you know when you're a parent, like I could not get anything for Christmas and it really wouldn't bother me. I love getting my kids stuff for Christmas. I love like, like anything. Sometimes I go over the top. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're like, he doesn't, he doesn't need four bicycles, but I mean, they're $12 each. I'm like, let's get him four bicycles. I just, I just love giving my kids gifts because there's this joy that you see when you give something to someone. It fulfills a part of you. Even lost people, atheists will tell you, when I do something for someone else, it fulfills something inside of me. You ever think, why is that? God designed all of us as beings that certain things trigger certain things. So when I'm hungry, I eat, and it fulfills something inside of me. When I'm thirsty, I drink. It fulfills something inside of me. When I give to people, it fulfills something inside of me because God created us to live as generous people. God created us not to isolate ourselves, not to be people that just take care of us, but to be people that take care of the world around us, that take care of our community, that take care of our friends, that take care... And that if we all operated that way, not only would we be fulfilled, but the people around us would be fulfilled. God calls us to be generous. As I close, I want to tell you a story. First Timothy 6, 18, 19. Command them to do good, to be rich in deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. As a wise man once said one time, he said, you can't send your wealth to heaven. You, you, can't, you can't take your wealth with you when you die, but you can send it on ahead. What did he mean by that? He means that you can do things with your life. You can do things with what God has entrusted you with, that you will store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That you will store up, that one day when you get to heaven, somebody will go, God, you have no clue. I'll never forget. This is, this is I talked to this guy this week. It's crazy. that this. I'll never forget. Um, the first time me and Alex decided we were going to give, we were going to give over and above. You know, we tithe. I grew up tithing. That was something that, that was the one financial principle my dad taught me. 
probably because he was a pastor. But, um, <laughs> and, and, uh, but I, I didn't grow up giving extra. That was like, we didn't really have a lot of extra most of the times. And so I'll never forget the first time me and Alex decided we were going to give over. And I knew in giving over it was going to cost. It was, it was like I, I didn't, it was, we were going to be short in the bill. And I told her, we're sitting in church, and I said, hey, like, I, I feel like we're supposed to give a little more, and like I, but, but it's gonna, we're going to be short in the bill if we do this. And would she just go, I think we need to, too. I feel like we need to, too. So I do, and I remember, I remember writing that check and going, okay, God, please actually work. Like, please. And, and, give it, and I promise you, you can ask Alex. I walked out of that church service, and I walked out the doors, and a guy walks up to me, and he goes, hey, man, God spoke to me in service, and he told me to give you this, and handed me a check for the exact amount that I had just written a check for. And I literally was like, oh, God, it works. I got in the car. I called my dad. I'm like, you're not going to believe what happened. I start telling him. He's like, I've told you it works. I'm like, but it really works. Like, it really worked. Because God desires for us to live generous and be generous versus being miserable. When we live this way, we store up works for ourselves in heaven. It's a firm foundation. The firm foundation that God wants to build for us is not by what we make. It's not by what we have. It's not by the assets that we are able to, to store up for ourselves. But it's by what we can store up in heaven. That when we get there one day, someone will go, God, because of the way that you stewarded what God gave you, my eternity is different. Because of the way that you stewarded what God entrusted you with, my eternity is different. Listen, as a pastor, my desire is to see all of us thrive in every area of our life. From the way your bank account looks, to the way your relationship looks, to the way that your car is clean and your house is in order. When we live as Christians that way, it provides an example to the world around us that we actually have something the world doesn't have. We have a peace. We have an order. We have a greater understanding of why we're on this earth than the world around us. People live their whole lives looking for their purpose. Let's not be those people. Let's not be people that find our purpose in what we do or in why, why, where we go to work at or in what we have. Or in, but let's be people that find our purpose in God. I want to leverage everything I have for the, for the glory of your name. I want to steward my stuff in such a way that, that I'm making a difference in the kingdom of heaven. I love, um, I love your last blank right there. For those of you looking at me like, what's the last blank? Some of you are like really good note takers and I see it on your face. You're like, I'm not closing this until I get the last note. Like, there's a blank there. What is it? God's way works. God's way works. God's way works. We are big on generosity. We support other churches. There are 32. Where's Rebecca? 32. How many art churches launching today? 21. 21 churches just like this launching today all around the country that we have invested in, that monthly we send something to them so that all of these churches can continue to keep launching because we believe in the local church. We believe this dream works. We know what it's like to do this. We're just a little bit ahead of them. We started seven months ago, eight months ago, six months ago. I don't know. Lost track of time. I feel like I haven't slept in seven months. But we believe in this thing called the local church. We believe that God wants to change communities. And so we generously go, hey, we want to sow into other churches. And we want to make a difference. Even though we're small, we can make a difference bigger than ourselves. It's why we have the acts of kindness cards I think we ran out of the new ones, and we'll have some more next week. So don't hate me when you go out there and you can't grab a handful. But it's why we have the Acts of Kindness cards. For those of you who've seen them, they're these little cards, and they say Valley Rise Church. On the back side, it just says something to let you know God loves you. And we always tell people, hey, when you go to dinner, leave a tip, a big tip, and just put that in there for people. Bless someone. Buy the coffee in line behind you at Starbucks for somebody. Or when you're in the line at McDonald's, but don't eat at McDonald's, give, give them, pay for the person's meal behind you. Bless somebody. 
Because we want to be a generous church. We want to give to the people around us. We want to give to our city. We want people to know that Valley Rise Church is a church that exists for more than just us. Why do we do those cards? Why are we generous? I'll never forget a story. The church that we're out of, those of you who know, know, sorry, I'm going to be repetitive for a second. Those of you who don't know, we're out of a church in Birmingham, Alabama, second largest church in America, massive church. A team of us moved down here to start Valley Rise Church. Um, and, and that's where we got the, the little connection cards for, for the little um, acts of kindness cards from. And I'll never forget hearing a story sitting in church and going, I, we, when I have a church, we're going to do that. We're going to be those people. That a lady was in a fast food line, getting, getting fast food and looked in the rearview mirror and saw a lady behind her and, and, and said, hey, I want to pay for that person's meal and we hand them this card and, you know, nothing, nothing big. That week, we got a call at the church and it was a lady who said, hey, um, I, somebody left me this card and paid for my meal. And, you know, we said, oh, great. Hey, praise God. Awesome. We'd love, so glad that we were able to bless you. And, um, and she said, I got their license plate number. I need to find out who, I need to find out who this is. We said, well, I mean, that's kind of creepy, but um, when <laughs> She just said, I, I just, I, they, they, this card saved my life. And, you know, people say stuff like that. And you go, praise God. You know, we're just grateful. that We're so glad we could bless you. She goes, no, this card really saved my life. And she said, I was in line eating my last fast food meal, and I was going home to end my life. I was, I was going to eat and go home, and that was it. It was my last meal I was going to eat. Which, I, if I'm dying, I'm not eating fast food. It's my last meal. I just want you all to know. I'm going to Roost Chris. I'm going to Perry's. I'm going somewhere other but I digress, okay, let's get, <laughs> and, and I'm in line eating my last meal, and when I got up there and they handed me that card, and it just said something to let you know God loves you, I knew, I knew that God was speaking to me, why do we do that, why are we generous, why do we exist for more than ourselves, because this is life and death, this is for some people, you don't know your one act of kindness, how it could change the world around you, you don't know with leveraging your assets and leveraging what God has given you to steward how it can change the world around you. That someone is going through a fast food line today going, this is my last meal. And that God sent Valley Rise Church to Tomball, Texas to be the people that would rescue that person. To be the people that would stand in the gap for them and go, listen, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to just love God and I'm going to be generous to the people around me and I'm going to serve my city and we're going to create a church that is generous to the world around us. We don't want to be a church that stores up for us. We're going to be a church that gives to those around us. And it happens when we live by the financial principles that God has called us to live by. I know this message was a little technical today, but I couldn't be your pastor and be someone that loves you and not help you understand a way to do this thing right. I hope that you take these notes home and go over them and, and, and study these. And I'm telling you, God has a way and his way works. His way works. It works in the chaos of our lives. It works in our relationships. And it works in our finances. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you, Jesus, that you have ways that are better than the world's ways. Your ways truly are higher than our, our ways, God. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And God, we don't want to do life our way. We want to do life your way. We want to be people, God, that know what we're here to do, that know why we exist, that are generous to the world around us, that are good stewards over what you have given us. God, we want to live differently than the world around us so that we can show them we have a hope. We have a hope. We have a peace that comes only from you. 
We're so thankful, Jesus, that you would love us enough to give your life for something greater. That you would live a life that was, that was bigger than you, Jesus, that was more than you, that you lived that life and sacrificed for us so that we too could do the same thing and sacrifice God for the world around us to continue to reach those that are on your heart and far from you. Uh, with every about and every eye closed, there's those of you here today that maybe as I'm preaching, you go, Christian, that all sounds awesome, but, but I don't even know what a relationship with Jesus looks like, man. I've done church and I've done, maybe I've done religion, but I've never done a relationship with Jesus. I've never done life God's way. But today I want to make that decision. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is between you and Jesus. If that's you and you say, Christian, today I want to start doing life God's way. I want to start using my life for something greater than itself. Today, I want to become a follower of Christ and make a difference in the world around me. Would you raise your hand for me? Amen. You can put your hands down. Now, we're going to pray this prayer together, and you can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. You can whisper it as long as you mean it. This is between you and Jesus. Would you repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus? Thank you for coming down from heaven. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for paying my sin bill so that I could live in freedom. Thank you for raising from the dead to give me new life. Today I commit to do life your way. To become a follower of Jesus. And to leverage my life for the glory of you. Now, God, I pray for every single person who's here. I pray, God, that you would bless them. I pray that you would allow them, God, wisdom, supernatural wisdom, how to, how to manage our life, God, how to manage our finances, how to manage our families, how to manage our relationships, how to find peace in you and you alone. That as we walk through, God, what this life looks like in a modern world, that every week we would get a little better. Every week we'd get a little closer to you. And every week we would make a greater difference in the world around us. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and your mercy. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives? Praise God. Hey, it works. It works. And we're going to finish up Modern Family in the next two weeks. And I love it. Is this series helping anybody? I don't know if it's helping y'all. It's helping me. So, like, every, every week I'm getting better as a dad. I'm getting better as a husband. I'm getting better as a steward. I'm getting better in, in, in my life. And I got in my car the other day. And those of you here the first week we talked about, you know how chaotic your life is by how clean your car is. And I, got in my, I opened my car door and I was like, ugh. All right. Well, or go back and re-listen to that message and clean my car out. <laughs> And so, um, hey, we're so grateful that you're here with us today. And we believe that God's doing some amazing things um, in Valley Rise and, and through just, I, I, I'm getting pictures. I feel my phone going off my, in my back pocket and I've been getting pictures all up to service of all my friends that are launching churches and what God's doing there and seeing hundreds of people across the country that are starting to do this same thing. And so I want you to know we're a part of something bigger. We're a part, you're making a difference whether you know it or not. And we support people all across the world. And it's all because of you. You would be shocked. You've never been to India, but your money has. <laughs> You've never been to Cincinnati, but one of my best friends, Brian Cromer, is opening up a church there this morning. They're, you were making a difference around the country. It's because of your generosity, and so we're so grateful. Hey, if you came prepared to worship with your giving today, we've got three ways that you can do that at Valley Rise. You can give it an offering envelope, and they'll pass those buckets in just a second. 
you can give online at valleyrisechurch.com. Click the giving link, or you can text Valley Rise and the amount to 77296. This doesn't happen without you, and so we're so grateful for everything you give. And every Sunday I say it so you guys know my heart. The Bible says that every man should ask the Lord what he would have. Every man should decide in his own heart what the Lord would have him give. So I will never ask you for anything. I ask the same thing every week. You ask God, and whatever God speaks to you, that's what we want you to do. So if you bow your heads with me, we'll pray over this, and then we'll get out of here. Dear God, thank you. Thank you that you're a generous God, God. Thank you that you love to give us blessings. You love to pour out upon us, God, so that we can be a blessing to the world around us. God, we just bless this offering. We pray pray that it's used for the good of the kingdom, God. We pray that we steward this money well. And God, that we're able to make a difference bigger than ourselves. That people would look at Valley Rise and say that is a church that impacts the city around them and the world around them, God. Bless these people. Bless every gift and every giver. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.